Good morning, everybody. Happy Double Monday, because I know when I was brokering, every Tuesday after a long weekend felt like two Mondays packed into one. And uh, so taking some time out of his Double Monday, and, and thank you for taking time out of yours as well. But uh, we've got joining us today, Zachary Bay, a broker originally licensed in 2015 at 20 years of age, and uh, he made it through that attrition, uh, what is, what, I think it's in BC, it's about an 80% attrition rate. 80% do not renew their licenses at the two-year mark, but five years, well, coming up on six years later, uh, I guess at this point, uh, Zach, here you are. And, uh, and no doubt a, a heavy influence in that uh, decision to get into the business and, uh, and stay in it has been your father, Kevin, who I've met many a time, and uh, he's a great guy. I've met you too. I think I met you when you were like 2021, 20, when you first, first got in. Yeah, I think we did meet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I remember. I was thinking, wow, that's really cool. Because not that many kids of brokers actually want to get into brokering. So, yeah, yeah, no, it, it, it stood out. So you got in in 2015. And was that more like in a helping out your father, Kevin, kind of way? Or were you trying to carve your own path? Yeah. So like, I, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say it at all. Like it was, it was solely based off the fact that my dad was a broker. Um, before that, uh, kind of from the age of 12 to 17, my plan was to become um, a sales rep at a distribution company. Cause my dad was a sales manager at a distribution company. Um, and I kind of saw my dad as a role model and I wanted to, to become more like him. And, uh, when he, when he got severed and started that position into mortgage brokering, and loved that way more. Um, it just made kind of sense to start working alongside him and see what that was about and uh, eventually go for my license. I see your dad as a role model too. I'd like to be more like him. So I, I can relate. I, I say that because Kevin is like one of the nicest human beings you meet. He's a genuine nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still working on being a genuine nice guy, but uh, I'll, I'll get there eventually. So what did your first few years in the business look like then? Yeah. So when I was going for my license, um, I was in the middle of getting my degree for my BBA um, at Kwantlen University. And so while I was getting my license, I was in the middle of my second year. And so when I got my license, um, I finished my diploma um, and I really wanted to finish that degree. Um, so the first two years was me working part time while going to school, um, doing my own deals, but also working with my dad in, in the background and kind of doing roughly like six files um, to get me through school. Well, um, a lot of my focus was on school because I was full-time um, all through the year, um, not taking summer off, just doing summer courses as well. So the first couple of years was just going kind of back and forth between brokering and school. And doing a lot of background type stuff for, for Kevin, for, for your father as well then. Yeah, right when I got my license, I started doing a lot of the background stuff um, for my dad, uh, doing all the compliance, doing all the document uploading, um, starting to deal with the lenders a little bit more. Yeah, and, and that's, I just actually just had this conversation last week with another broker and, and we were talking about how so many brokers get into the business and they say, where should I start? And the real answer is, as an assistant to another broker, like, Try and learn some underwriting, learn compliance packaging, learn documents review, learn appraisal ordering and review. Like learn all those things without the pressure of a mistake, not only costing you a file, but potentially getting your butt sued. 
you know, like be in an administrative role where you can actually learn the language and, you know, pick up the, the nuances and the details. So that's a huge advantage to you, that, that you were able to do that. Because of course, the reality for a lot of brokers is they get into this role in their mid thirties, their late thirties or early forties or mid forties, et cetera. And like, they got bills to pay and they're not looking for an admin role, you know, making 18, 20, 22 bucks an hour. Like they need to make like hundred grand right now, this year, like I got bills to pay and, and, and they just lean in, but they don't get that gift that I think you got in those first years of sort of a little bit lower pressure space to pick up a lot of the nuance. No, it really, it really was. And I am, yeah, that I am very thankful for that experience because it was a very easing into to brokering for me. And I know not a lot of people get that experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, those were the easy, those were the easy years. It gets, it gets a little, a little trickier. And, you know, this is an important thing, I think, for everyone on this call to list, to, to really listen up to, and that's preparing for transitions. So I don't think very many brokers prepare for retirement because I don't think very many brokers ever really think they're going to retire. But at some point, you may want to scale it back a notch. You may want to do a little less. And, and actually, very few brokers have any other plan in their life except how to do more business which leads a lot of brokers into a really crazy place where their lives are totally overrun. They do amazing volume, but have no life whatsoever because the only plan brokers seem to make is one to grow the business. They never have one to put a cap on it. They never have one to, to dial it down, to transition it over. I shouldn't say never, but, but rarely. And you know, one of those things involved in that whole transition piece, there's the transitions we plan for, and then there's the transitions in life that we didn't plan for. And of course, one thing there is insurance. And uh, Zach, I'd love for you to touch a little bit on, on your father's purchasing of insurance and the timing of that. And then maybe we can lead into the, the transition piece. Yeah, no. So um, yeah, my dad was not currently covered in uh, kind of mid-2019 for for insurance and um, it never really, there wasn't a lot of options for him being a mortgage broker. And um, when this option came available through our office where um, our office managers set up this group insurance for our office, um, my dad looked at it and he thought that this would be something beneficial for him to be covered. Um, it was it was somewhat um, minimum, not minimum, middle um, coverage uh, for health and benefits. Um, and he got that coverage kind of in the the later parts of summer 2019, which is very important. Which which come December of 2019 became a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. Because in December of 2019, Zach's dad, Kevin, wound up suffering a pretty significant stroke. And yeah. uh, at that point, I mean... The insurance obviously was, I'm sure, helpful. So that was an important piece to sort of help you guys through that transition. But but then I gather the existing files in flight, everything that was happening and the database, everything just kind of landed on your shoulders like a ton of bricks instantly and away you went. Yeah, so it, it was a really, it was a really weird, um... Hard, hard time. So what, what had happened is my dad had a stroke 
um, on the 6th of December, and it wasn't a super serious stroke. They were able to treat it really quickly, um, but it was apparent that I was going to be taking on the business for the next four to six months while my dad recovered um, and, and regained his energy. Um, and then upon coming home, um, he had a second stroke um, six days later, and that one was life-threatening. Um, and that one kind of made it apparent that I was taking on the, bin, uh, the business indefinitely. Um, and so I was, I was kind of prepared to be taking on the business for two to six months. And then all of a sudden it became indefinitely. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of period of, of trying to be there for my dad and my family and, um, also taking on all the active files as well as, um, continuing the business, um, was a very challenging, um, experience where I just kind of got thrown in the deep end. Yeah, man, I can't, uh, as I say, I can't imagine, and I don't think very many uh, people listening to this can imagine having to, to suddenly jump onto a, you know, a, a train racing along business-wise. And, you know, I've, I've touched on this before with people in, in brokering. Like, there's a, there's a significant challenge in brokering, and, and Zach, you would have gone through it in so much more of an extreme way at that point, where just in general, brokers can't, come home and complain to their families about their day at the office. Because what we do is, number one, pretty complicated. And so to try and explain a nuance around a challenge of remaining economic life on an appraisal, or, you know, like trying to get the three-year average of income use, like it's just too complicated to explain. So your frustrations, you don't really have anyone to, to vent them to. And, and really, your family doesn't really want to hear mortgage brokering stories anyway. So you're sort of stuck with the client stuff. You have to kind of, you wind up with that bottled up. And then the stuff going on in your life, uh, on the family side, on the personal side, it's not like you, you, know, you can complain to a client about it or even, or even just share it. Not so much complain, but even just share with a client what's happening. Because clients, if they perceive we have anything in our lives as brokers going on that might take our attention away from their file, we risk losing that client. And that's not that the clients are heartless or cold or callous. It's just that it's the single most important transaction in their life. And they really want to know that somebody is like 110% on top of what's happening. And, and they don't want to add stress to your life. You know, and uh, it be, so you wind up having to not speak about work to family, not speak about anything going on in your family life or personal life to, to clients. And then as the volume cranks up, you, you just, you have no time to talk, like there's, there's nothing. And, uh, and of course the short circuit around that whole thing is many a broker has said to me, the single best 150 bucks or whatever thereabouts per hour uh, they spend, you know, every two weeks or three weeks or four weeks is with a therapist to just vent and just, just get it all out and, and away they go. But that had to have been one heck of a couple of months stretch for you there because you must have felt a little bit like you were in that vice potentially or or did you have did do you have an outlet that you could share with us <laughs> uh, yeah for the the first couple of months the first probably four months i was i was kind of just in shock and i didn't really have a lot of time to process anything um i was spending probably around four hours a day at the hospital um, and just bringing my computer to work, uh, my computer to the hospital to work. 
Um, and so my life was basically going to the hospital, working at the hospital, going home, working at home, um, and then and then going to bed and waking up and then doing it again. Um, and I guess kind of my my time where I was able just to get out of it um, was back when when you could hang out with friends um, back in January, February of 2020, um, just to go with a couple of friends and just kind of to just take myself out of the situation and just forget about brokering, to forget about um, what's going on for a couple of hours and then and then get back into it. And then along came March. Yes. <laughs> so just when you started to feel like you might be getting your feet under you and okay, like I, maybe, I, maybe I can handle this and process this and deal with this, uh, the universe decided to throw a pandemic into the mix for you as well. Yeah. No, that was uh, another curveball that, um, yeah, like you said, come February, March, I kind of started to feel like I finally had a system going. I finally had a system. Well, me and my dad had a system of him taking in clients. And then once the initial intake of the client, I would take over and do all the background work. And I'd finally just got to the point where I recreated my system where it's just me now and everything's starting to feel a little bit normal. And then and then that happens. And uh, and then the the six or eight week uh, dry spell that we had due to no one no one looking for for homes. And so that was another curveball that I did not anticipate. No one did actually, but <laughs> no, no. And and then I mean, and then it went from crickets to crazy. Yeah. And hasn't really eased up. I mean, uh, it's it's been been a little bit a uh, little bit over the top. But uh, but despite however busy we find ourselves, Zach, I really want to take the opportunity while we have a, an audience listening to reiterate something that I think is important. One of the ways you know that that I tried to create some calmness in, in my business was in learning to say no without saying the word no. I would say yes and. So when I would get clients that would call me, for instance, asking about out-of-province files, I wouldn't say, no, I don't do out-of-province, even though I would no longer process an out-of-province file myself. I'd say, yes, I can help you with that file, and here's how I'm going to do so. I'm going to actually introduce you to this professional in, the, in, in that province who understands the property transfer tax, the actual closing costs, all the little nuances that the first time homebuyer program that may only be available in that specific province, all these different nuances that brokers trip up uh, over big time when they're doing an out-of-province file. So for all those watching, listening, I would suggest to you, if you've got a file that you need completed in BC and you're not licensed in BC, Zach would be the guy to reach out to. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give you that shout out, man, because I, I have known you for a while. And as I said, I've known your father for quite a while. And that's a very organized systems and process kind of guy. So I have no doubt what the client experience is like uh, through your office. And, and actually, why don't you share your email address with us? And as I say, anybody that does have a BC file, you're wondering, wondering about a broker in BC to send your file to, here's one right in front of you right now. What, what is your email address again, Zach? Yeah, it's uh, Zachary at bayteammb.com. Zachary at bayteammb.com. I just I typed it in the chat box there as well. That's perfect. So given that all of this is now sort of, you know, a, a year behind you, do, do you feel like you've got your legs under you and, and you're, you're solid? 
Yeah. So obviously there'll always come something along and it's like, okay, well, I really, really wish my dad was around to help with this. But, um, but uh, no, I feel in 2019, we took out a system where my dad was on client, client care and I was on lender care, basically. I dealt with the lenders, he dealt with the clients. And so that was really beneficial for me because I did all the files in 2019. Um, besides the time that I was away, um, I did all the files on the back end, which really gave me a really good understanding of how to get files done, um, how to do the different the little tricks on how to increase people's borrowing power and all of those different things. But is, just just to be clear, because all kinds of different people listen to what we're talking about. Yeah. When we say tricks, we mean <laughs> common sense things like asking a salaried employee for two years notice of assessments because as it turns out, they didn't actually account for their bonus yeah. or they didn't account for their overtime because they assumed that we couldn't use it. Yes. So it's not that like, it's not like we're, there's no special trick tricks, like not magic uh, that's yeah. going on. It's just due yeah. diligence. Yeah, due diligence. And underwriting is what you're talking to, right? I mean, yeah. you, you became a quality underwriter. That is what you were doing. Yeah, and just, and just knowing what questions to ask to see where we can find that little bit of room where where clients don't expect oh we don't expect that they can use that and and um, so just making sure that we get all aspects of the application and and so um, once I kind of got my feet under me of the uh, the more taking care of clients which was the difficult process in 2020 that I dealt with um, I, I talked to more clients in 2020 than I talked to uh, in my four years previous. Um, just because my dad was the one that was talking to most of the clients. And I only talked directly um, with my own clients that I brought in um, that knew me. Um, and so 2020 was the year of just learning um, how to talk to clients, how to portray all of the mortgage documents, how to um, properly show MPP, how to do all of these different things that I hadn't done. Um, and for the first three or four months, it was very uncomfortable, um, just the quantity of clients that I was talking to. Um, and and it, whenever there was a difficult client conversation, um, that would be something that my, my dad would deal with. Um, and so those were the things that I got comfortable with. And, and coming into 2021, um, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable um, in the business. Um, our business is at the point where it's maturing a little bit, where we're starting to have a little bit more repeat business, which which helps uh, alleviate some stress of not having to find 100% new business. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like I'm really coming kind of into my own in, in 2021 here. And it, it shows in this conversation, like it's, you know, you, your, your, your confidence comes through and it's, and it's like a genuine, you know, um, the, the, the vibe is, I may not know exactly the answer to every question, but I know I can find the answer to every question. Yeah. That's what I'm picking up. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're never really stuck. There's always a way. Yeah. And yeah, no, that's, that's something that I've really shown myself this year is there's not too many files you can't get done. There's just, you got to find where you can get it done. And um, that's been something pretty big for me in 2020. 
You know, the other thing that really comes through in this conversation, uh, Zach, and really this is the first conversation you and I have had, uh, aside from one random chit-chat intro probably five years ago, yeah. um, the other thing that really comes through is, is uh, you know, as I say, it, it's it's obvious first and foremost how you're you're picking up the business, but like you say, like, you've come into your own, like, you came up against a pretty incredible challenge that a lot of people, the pressure, a lot of people would fold under that pressure and you didn't. And, and like, it shows like you don't come across like a, a, a 25 year old with a few years experience brokering. You come across like a 33 year old with 10 years experience brokering. Cause that, cause you kind of got thrown in the deep end. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, you figured out how to swim before you drowned. And uh, yeah, and that's awesome, man. Like, it's really, it's really cool to, to, to see it, you know, it's fantastic. Yeah. So kudos to you, man. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think you've got a, a pretty fantastic career ahead of you in this field, if this is the field you choose to stay in. And, uh, and man, you're absorbing so much knowledge in this field. And it is such a tricky one to absorb knowledge in. Like the number one thing people complain about is the lack of training. And really, the only way you learn this business is by doing and just jumping in and going. But then, of course, the, the challenge with that is getting the opportunities, having yeah. the clients calling you. And again, just from circumstance, you wound up in that circumstance where the phone was ringing and the emails were coming in and the inquiries were there. And so you had no choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, as I say, it's fantastic. And, you know, I, I do want to give a bit of a shout out to 100 Brokers Who Care, because that was a, a group that rallied to some extent uh, as well on your guys' side. They were, they were huge and, and a very big um, support in getting my dad uh, home. Um, that was a big, a very big project um, to get him home from the rehab center. Um, and a lot of people made that happen and 100 Brokers That Care, which I'm now a part of, um, really helped to make that happen. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's amazing to me that it's, it's, I mean, there's more than a hundred brokers and there's certainly more than a hundred brokers who care, but for, for the impact that that organization makes, uh, I don't understand why it's not titled 10,000 brokers who care. And, uh, and for the, anyone who's interested, just Google 100 brokers who care, check it out and sign up. I mean, it's yeah. 400 bucks per year to do something pretty amazing four times a year and, yeah. uh, and be a part of something pretty spectacular. So it's a great way to be. So, yeah, I thought that uh, they, they, they always merit a shout out. But, uh, yeah, this one resonates. Yeah, <laughs> no. Well, Zach, I want to ask you one last question, and uh, you, you can feel free to take the fifth, uh, you know, if, uh, if you feel like the answer might incriminate you in any way, but uh, can you offer us a pandemic survival tip? You know, it's, it's coming up on a year. You clearly have uh, maintained some balance and some sanity, and you're looking pretty healthy and fit and everything else. So have you got a pandemic survival tip for us? Yeah, so, well, mine would be we... Early on in the pandemic, we took the opportunity to to buy um, a set of weights and some and some pads and and make ourselves a home gym. And so that home gym has been insane. So I'm working out there almost every day of the week. Um, and if if people need a recommendation, 
this is not a plug, but Beachbody is a great website. $11 a month, you'll have fantastic workouts. And honestly, that's been the thing that's keeping me sane is just staying healthy. Um, don't really feel like going to the gym right now. So staying yeah. healthy at home. And, uh, and that's been just uh, a great thing for me. That's awesome. I, I was a holdout uh, with the gym and then I realized how stupid I was being. Like, you know, of all the places to go, the gym is not the place to go right now. So I, yeah, you know, I, yeah I suspended my membership for six months a few weeks back and uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm trying to get motivated around the, I got the push-up paddles and that's, that's my go-to. When in doubt, do another set of push-ups, another, another dozen push-ups, another dozen, another dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Someone just said 11 hours. I'm in $11, $11 a month. <laughs> and uh, you will have all your workout programs planned for you. Yeah. Beachbody. Well, there you go. I checked that one out. And we can, we, we can all only imagine when we'll actually get to go to the damn beach again. But uh, yeah, but hey, the longer, the longer it takes to get to the beach, the more shredded we could all be by the time we get there, right? Yeah. Well, me and my siblings, well, me and one of my siblings have already said, if, if we're going to be stuck in lockdown, we're going to come out better than we went in. That, you know what? That is the perfect note to end it on, man. I love that. Yeah. If we're going to be stuck in lockdown, we might as well come out better than we went in. Damn straight, man. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate you sharing. And, uh, and no doubt there were a few pretty valuable takeaways here for for everybody listening. So again, thanks very much for the time, man. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You bet. Take care. You too. Bye.